SoundCloud AC Master. And howdy friends, I'm Jack Sentinel. We're here today with the Conventional Podcast. You'd think that would be convenient. However, they're anything but. This being the second episode, I think we're coming together pretty well. Yeah, it's been about a week since we recorded our last episode. Yeah, and about a month for you guys since we're going to be releasing these things, what, once a month now? The first weekend of every month will be our planned release schedule for these episodes. I want to say what, Fridays? Yeah, every Friday, give or take. Yeah, we'll aim for the first Friday of every month. Now, our couple of updates that we do have, we now have an email. We also have a Twitter. Yes, uh, the first is the email. It is conventionalthepodcast at gmail.com. That is all one word. Always remember that, guys. Conventional the podcast. I did not understand why, but the conventional podcast is already taken. I'm going to have to go and beat somebody's legs in. Yeah, who needs legs? Exactly. I don't. So, the Twitter is at conventional crew without the e because there's a character limit on twitter for the at username so we went with conventional crew because the conventional was taken unfortunately so again it's conventional crew without the e and then we also have a discord coming to you soon and that's going to be in the comments below episode because we tried to read the url out it's going to be a little confusing you sounded like you were trying to speak out bed into a mic it was very confusing when we first tried it Hey, I played enough Final Fantasy X to master the language. Leave look, me alone. Look, just because you invented the Albed English Dictionary does not mean that we have to start screaming in friggin' pig Latin on the stage. But I need Riku to notice me. Just because you think Riku is Bay does not mean that Riku is, well, Riku is Bay. Leave me alone. Don't look under my bed again. We talked about this. So don't put it in such an obvious hiding spot next time. It's my house. That's not my problem. It is now. Only because you're making it. Yeah, fair enough. Anyway, those are our pretty much major updates. Yes, we now have a frickin' social media presence, and that's a miracle. And we'll probably end up getting a Facebook at some time, too, just to be on the safe side, but that's soon to come. Yeah, don't worry about that for now. If you see it pop up, it'll pro- we'll probably announce it on its own. Exactly. So what have we been up to recently? Well, we've been buckered down in our apartments like nerds, consuming media. Yeah, because I don't want to go outside to the Ragnarok tundras of Neverwinter. Yeah, it's really cold or really wet, and I want to deal with neither. And that's why my house is also built the entire back of the house so I can actually have a giant costly workshop so I never have to see the sun. And it's why I'm on the top floor of my apartment building, because it's hot all the time, and it is wonderful. Lucky. Indeed. Well, for me, I've been binge-watching a certain show, but I know recently you just actually got a chance to see frickin' Battle Angel Alita, jerk. Yeah, I went to see Battle Angel Alita, and it was the best anime movie so far compared to what we've received from Hollywood, because Hollywood has released some treasured droves of garbage in the past. You're calling it treasured? I call it piles of shit that look exactly like Dragon Ball Evolution. Well, I said treasured droves of garbage. That's not high praises. Oh, fair enough. Garbage is garbage. Doesn't matter how it looks. I mean, yeah. Let's see. Dragon Ball Evolution, Dumpster Fire, Avatar The Last Ender, Airbender. Oof. Heavy Dumpster Fire. Yeah, burning. Death Note on Netflix. Oof. Pain. Oh, oh pain. I have opinions. Not good ones. Oh, no, I don't. But it's, it's kind of a hard thing to deal with. I'm trying to do that whole natural balance of, hey, I want to bring new fans into the fandom, but I also want to please the old fans. How do I keep this balance without spoiling the story? And this adaptation did that pretty well, I Hmm. thought, for the most part. There are a couple of small pacing issues and small character details, but for the most part, it was true to the original source work, and I enjoyed it. And they set it up for a sequel, and I think they have something to work with. 
James Cameron pulled from his avatar background, the the blue people avatar, not that fur and gully with blue skin. Yeah, so it was pretty good, and they did really good work on the CGI, and I was thoroughly impressed with it for an anime film, and the, being the first solid one that we got, I think. Well, personally, I have to say, and I'm probably gonna get lynched for this one, but what was it, Ghost in the Shell? Ghost in the Shell was perfect to me. I thought it was okay. I thought it had some pacing issues, but other than that, I thought it was okay. The casting choice was okay. It didn't bother me like it did some people, but I thought it was a solid take on the I mean, franchise. Let's be, let's be real. The original Ghost in the Show had pacing issues. Yeah, no, that's true. And Major Kushinagi was designed to be as white as possible in the original show. And so they got white actress Scarlett Johansson to play Major Scarlett Kushinagi. Johansson is lovely. Yeah, and she did a good job, I thought. And she did it well. And with the role that they gave her, I thought she was a decent fit for the role when they were casting. And ScarJo has been essentially quintessential heroine for a lot of adaptations. Yeah, she's been big in Marvel for a reason. And I think they're probably going to do that Black Widow solo film at some point. So that wouldn't wasn't, surprise me. Wasn't she Aeon Flux as well? No, I thought that was someone else. I'm gonna probably look that up later, but... Yeah, we'll confirm that later. Yeah, I don't remember. Aeon Flux was a good movie either way. But anyway, moving on to the Netflix side of things. Oh, yeah. I have been obsessed with the Umbrella Academy, and I didn't know why until I actually started reading the comic a little bit. I, I, I stepped out of my cave, I went to a store that still sells books, and I found the comic, and I grabbed the entire omnibus, and I had to sit down and read it. And then it dawned on me as I ended up just reading the entire Apocalypse Suite, which is the first omnibus, if anybody's really willing to jump into this. Gerard fucking Way wrote the entire thing. If you don't know who that is, that is one of the people from My Chemical Romance. Yeah, he is one of the leads of My Chemical Romance. And that motherfucker pretty much... Wrote some beautiful albums that are yeah. amazing, especially the Black Parade. Yeah, if you know the Black Parade or if you know someone that knows the Black Parade, all you have to do is know the first couple of chords to the song. They'll kick down the door like the Kool-Aid Man and start singing along. Yeah, it's basically a hit at every karaoke bar or room that you go to. Right. So, I mean, it, it's going to work for you. I yeah. guarantee it. Exactly. And that's why I'm like, mm, I knew something was up. I knew something was wrong. You dragged me back into it. I gotta put on the freaking black clothing again and go straight goth. This ain't fair. When you were a young boy. No, we're not doing this. <laughs> no? I refuse. No? I refuse. Because <laughs> my father did tell me. <laughs> no sing along today? We will sing along later. <laughs> well, I, am... I tried, guys. I tried. Ugh. <sighs> Anyways, so I started watching the Punisher series, and I thought John Bernthal did a pretty good job as the actor. He actually reviewed the character through the comics, the movies, all three of the movies, and it was a good balance between the live action and the comics, and they did a good job of portraying the character, I thought. There was an issue with one of the villains. I thought they brought him up really well in season one, but in season two, the setup didn't really peter out the way I thought it would. It was okay overall, but I wish they would have taken it a bit of a different route because it kind of disappointed me due to some expectations I had. Well, you had that. I had the whole situation of I am in love with Punisher comics, and yeah. I was in love with the two movies that actually are relevant, so that would be exactly. the Punisher movie and Warzone. Yeah. So when I saw the guy pretty much portraying Punisher the way he did, I was in love. He actually had a perfect balance between movie and comic. Yeah, exactly. He was a great starting point. And then they introduced, honestly, my favorite villain 
and revealed who they were going to have him as, I flipped my shit because that's completely ass backwards to the actual storyline. It doesn't make sense for the character. It doesn't make sense for the plot. There's not a lot of character growth. Yeah, because he's supposed to be kind of like the Punisher's Joker to his Batman. It, it, it's not like they can be next door neighbors and have buddy buddy moments. No, you have to literally make them completely at odds from the get go. Yeah, because basically the Punisher is Marvel's Batman, essentially. A very and then this is basically the Joker of the Punisher. Right. If, if we're going to go off equivalency, that's kind of why I was a little bit upset with the first season. I tried watching the second season. I really did. I fell off probably episode two, give or take, when things just started getting way off the books. That's that I, I drew the line when romance got involved in the Punisher. That that's when I draw the line. Yeah, because he's more of a lone wolf type of character. It's him versus the world. He's not really a buddy buddy type right. guy. He has allies, give or take. But they aren't buddy buddy allies. They're right. out of necessity allies, essentially. Right. So that was a little weird. Season three for that and Jessica Jones did eventually get cancelled as we're learning about now. Uh that may or may not change. Something hmm. else might pick it up. We'll see. Uh, hopefully Hulu picks up the scraps on this one and, you know, starts picking up at least more of a handful of different Marvel series. Like, I like Runaways. Yeah, that could work. There are also a couple of different things they could do. Maybe a Fantastic Four series. Now, that's probably going back to Marvel because the rights are getting transferred back over. I'm going to say this now. I don't think I would sit down for a Fantastic Four series. I can't sit down with a Fantastic Four frickin' movie. I know, but Doctor Doom is such a good villain, and they're gonna have to I... get him right at some point. Oh. So, eventually. I don't know when it's gonna happen. I don't know what miracle it's gonna take. Look, but eventually... Look, we're gonna have to sacrifice at least five goats to get Doctor Doom to actually be portrayed correctly on a big screen. Well, we can find five goats. We're not going back to the farm. We talked about this. Man, why do you have to be such a killjoy? Because you killed three goats! Shh. Stop killing my goats! You don't own any goats. Not anymore! That was the joke. Ah! I hate you. I hate <laughs> you so much. <laughs> anyway. Only on Tuesdays. Only on Tuesdays. So, we were mentioning all these recent topics because, hey, you might see cosplays or mention them at the conventions coming up near you because these are, you know, somewhat recent topics. And considering the fact that we are a convention podcast, they may be happening to you. So, hey, you want to go to your first convention, and here's how. So, today's episode, we're actually going to be focusing on the Convention Survival Guide. Starting with tips and tricks from day zero all the way to the final day of the convention. This is going to be geared towards the new con goers rather than the more experienced ones. Though if you're experienced, you may find a gem or two in here for you to learn about. Hey, it's never a bad thing to learn something new. We're all here for a learning experience anyways and we hope we can teach you. So when it comes to anything, one of the most important things is location. On today, we're going to be talking about location. Should you go to your first con in state or out of state? Oh yeah. In-state or out-of-state is actually going to be a make-or-break for a lot of people, primarily for the fact that, let's say your home convention is, let's say, two hours away, easy to drive to, or even 15 minutes away. Easy to get to, easy to run to, not that hard on the budget, not that hard on gas, or let's say it's about 14 different states away. How are you going to get there? Yeah, now Jax and I would both recommend a con close to home to you first, because it's easier on you. You know the landscape, you know the cost, and it's just all around more convenient for you. Now, if you do want to go to a convention that's farther away, there's nothing wrong with that. 
Sometimes they can only get the guests that you want and they've been confirmed. Sometimes they only have certain merch that you can get there, etc. Now, the thing about going to a convention that's long away from home is you have to think about how you're going to get there. Is it going to be plane? Is it going to be train? Are you going to do the 10 hour car ride? Because those are definitely things. Who's going to drive? How are you going to split up gas, etc. There's a lot more to worry about. If something bad happens, you don't have an immediate fix like you do at home. So if you're a first time congoer, we definitely recommend that you stay close to home. The next big thing is hotels. Do you want to stay at home if you can? That's a big one. Or do you want to stay at a hotel? So I would recommend if you live an hour to an hour and a half away that you probably consider a hotel. You also have to consider the cost of gas. If you go back and forth to a con each day and you attend all three days, that can be up to six to nine hours going back and forth total. And that's con time you're missing out on that you actually paid for. So getting a hotel, especially if you're going to be there a lot and you want to be there for some of the late night events, that might be your best option. Even if you do drive back and forth, usually it's early leave, late leave. So a next situation, one of the big things is a hotel room is a convenience to you. And that convenience is worth every single penny. Especially when it's, oh, I've been walking around and... I need a place to rest, exactly. You do, it is very convenient for you. And if you do have a place that's close to there, and let's say it's like probably 15 minutes to half an hour, you might then want to do that because it's actually really close for you. But that's usually few and far between. Even I live close to the convention center here for Eason, and it's probably about half hour away, but even I still get a hotel because it's convenient for me because I'm changing for costumes. All my events I want to do are there. It's easier and more convenient for me. And usually if you split the cost of a hotel between you and four friends, it's not that bad. In that situation for me, I live hours away from the convention of Eason. So I have to drive or else I'm going to be wasting, what, half a day each time and traffic. That's that's something that a lot and of people don't think about. And downtown Chicago traffic is not fast. It's not quick. It takes time to go through and it's not very fun to sit in either. Right. It's a nightmare. For Chicago, at least, it's usually worth getting the hotel at the... XYZ convention, whichever one you're trying to go to. It doesn't matter which one. Like, if you do want to go from home, you can, but I suggest you are really close or your Airbnb is super close. One of the two. Yeah. Also, the reason why I always suggest getting a hotel, at least within the hotel block, it's cheaper in the long run, no matter how you look at it. Oh, you want to get an Airbnb that's within driving distance from a convention. That's gas that you have to pay for eventually. Or an Uber driver. Or even Uber drivers. I can't count on one hand how many cosplayers I've met that are just like, oh, I'm just going to take an Uber back to my hotel. I'd rather walk. I'm, I'm sorry. I love Uber. It's just I can't fathom the idea of every single day I take an Uber to a con. And then at the end of the day, I take an Uber home. Yeah, I couldn't either. I would rather walk myself as well because like, there's nothing wrong with Ubers, like you said. But just taking an Uber every day back and forth, just, I don't know. I, I don't feel comfortable with it for whatever reason. Right. And there, that's nothing to deal with Uber. It's just how I feel about walking money. back and forth. Yeah, and money. Like when you go to a con's. You try to think of ways that you can save money. And walking over, taking an Uber to a location, like that definitely saves money because that can be like 10 or extra 20 bucks in your pocket, especially if you're for something like food or the dealer's hall or something along those lines. Or the artist alley. Yeah. Anything. On that specific note, getting a hotel room is going to be important if you are going to get a hotel room. Yeah, it can be very time sensitive depending on the convention. There are some where the room blocks go up, you know, a year in advance and they go right away. There are some that go up six months in advance and they are up for two to five days. So you have more time. 
You also want to know who you are rooming with. That is very important because you or your roommates can book the room, but you at least need to be 18 years of age because the hotels need a credit card or debit card on file to initially book the room. And then that card is also kept on the record in case there's an incident or room damages. So that way they can keep that on track and for you as well in case something does go wrong. And there are horror stories when it comes to room damages. You can look them up yourself. I have a few that I'll probably tell later on. The important thing without a doubt is to get a room first. Though on that note, for those listeners that are underage and you're hearing this and you're getting a little bit distraught, your parents can put the room under their name. The big trick is whoever has their name on the room and whoever is using the card has to be present when the room is being checked in. Yeah, they need your ID for identification purposes and they'll ask for it when checking into the room. So there are a lot of horror stories when it comes to rooms. Uh, You also want to make sure you get payment for your room in advance or you get money in your hand before you hand that person a key. You also want to make sure that the number of people in your room is a suitable amount. The amount Jax or I would recommend is four to five people per a room. There have been cons where we have been packed in a room like, like a sardines. Bunch of goddamn sardines. And people end up sleeping in tubs. They literally sleep in the bathtub with a pillow and blanket. It was always me. I don't know how. Yeah. And it's not good and you eventually get tired and you don't feel like there's enough space for you to sleep or have your items there. And you want to make sure that you're comfortable. So the most I recommend is four or five, like I said earlier, usually going one over is okay. And the hotel actually will yell at you in certain cases if they found out. But I was at an Ohio con where I was packed into a room with like 10 or 11 other people. So there were like 11 or 12 of us in the room total. And eventually the heating stopped working in the room. So we eventually did get a second room. So it was half in one and half in the other. Hmm. But that room was literally a nightmare. I would not recommend that to anyone. Oh yeah, I know your horror story was sucky. This one specific time at OhioCon, they found a way to break every single rule that every single one of my roommates broke somehow. There was about 10 of us in a room. One person was added at the last second. They stole countless amounts of electronics and then disappeared into the night. And none of us had the ability to say it was them. And it sucked. Yeah, bringing up that point, room with people who you can trust. If you can't trust them or you don't feel like you can trust them, don't do it. Don't accept some random person in your room who you've never met before. Have it be a family member, have it be someone from your anime club, and make sure like they have the money to you in advance and you know it's covered. And like I said, if they don't give you money, they don't get a key card, and you don't want them to bring in a person to a room randomly later on because you don't know if they can be trusted with your goods or your stuff in your room because, like Jack said, it could go up missing, and that's not fun for anyone. I've had people that invited people to the room that have eaten my food. I, I, They didn't pay for it. It's my food. Screw them. Yeah, like you bring a lot of con supplies, and like there are certain supplies that you're willing to share. Like right. you, You're like, oh, someone needs help. I'm willing to help with this item. But there are certain items you bring for yourself, and they aren't just there for anyone anyone right. and then that's when the issue arises like they people just take things without asking it's just not that time everyone's there to have a good fun time and you want to try and keep it that way you don't want to bring wrenches into the situation and throw off someone's gears so when it comes to the rule of thumb for me it's dangerous alone bring a friend yeah. always keep someone that you can trust always keep someone that you believe in someone that you know has your back and if they invite someone to the room Just make sure that they, the person that invited them, keeps a weather eye on them. You want to go to a convention and meet new people. That's part of what you're there to do. Eventually, you're going to meet new people. You're going to hang out. You're going to have fun. You just want to be safe about it 
you want to make sure that you have a family member or a close group of friends because you're not going to go by yourself to begin with anyways that you're there with you and that you're being all safe together and that nothing too bad is going down because there have been some terrible horror stories that have come out of it and eventually we are going to have to bring up a lot of the horror stories if you're tuning in for that you'll know it when you hear it yeah that's going to be a whole different episode and we'll get to that at a later point so when the convention announces their room block on their website they also have convenient links to their social media pages and to their forums now these links are great tools to you it can help you learn more about your community right when it comes to these things the forums facebook page I don't even know if MySpace exists anymore for this type of thing. Twitter's still an option, though. Oh, yeah. Twitter, Amino. Amino is a great option for stuff like this, especially when you're first starting. It's you, Yeah, you can meet people who want to do certain cosplays. You can meet about certain panels and certain topics, and you can connect and become friends with people there and learn more about them and become part of your community. Yeah, it's, hell, Amino doesn't even have to sponsor us. That is just a naturally good tool. When it comes to Facebook and stuff, when it comes to forums... It's basically just a giant forum. You get to learn about the type of people that are going to be going to the conventions. You can understand the inside jokes. You can understand essentially everything without having to worry about getting your feet wet just yet. Yeah, exactly. And then even if you're a cosplayer, cosplayers will post updates to what they're working on and you can learn from them and you can message them about tips and tricks for wigs, for props, for sewing. It's a very multi-use tool that you can use it for and you can eventually learn about meetups and other fun things, guests who are going to be there, and all the other events like concerts or dances. Or tournaments. Yeah, exactly, because they're game tournaments, card tournaments. And then you can learn about dealers and maybe special merch that they'll have that's certain or specific for that year. And this is coming from someone that's been cosplaying for years. Looking at someone else's work and then watching their progress will teach you things faster than you just trying to learn on your own. It helps so much to know, like, oh, this person has a better grip at what I'm trying to do. Or even better, you have a better grip at what they're trying to do, and you can actually give tips yourself. Yeah, I mean, YouTube can be useful for tutorials, don't get me wrong, but sometimes forums can give you that extra edge because you can contact them more directly while they're in the middle of working their project. And if they run into the same problem area that you do, you can message them and be like, hey, I ran into this problem because we're in a similar step on both of our projects. Did you get past it? How are you working on it type thing? And most cosplayers are very happy to tell you exactly the steps that they did because, quite frankly, you're a fan of their work. They're a fan of your work. It all works out. Yeah, usually as a community, we're about growing and teaching and spreading information and not about cutting people off. We're usually a pretty friendly community when it comes to sharing right. knowledge. It's not like that one character in Curse of Cowardly Doll. This is my land. It's all mine. All mine. Yes, it's my precious. No one else can have it. Exactly. Screw you, Smeagol. I mean, you're not wrong. Yeah. He a dick. Yeah, he he a dick. He can eat a dick. Yeah. He probably has eaten a dick. Look at him. He, he looks like one of those prostitutes that you don't want to run into in the middle of the night. Yeah, or they're on the corner of 5th and Halstead, but we don't talk about that. We don't talk about 5th and Halstead. That's where you get shivved in the night. Don't, don't, go, don't go to 5th and Halstead. Yeah. Speaking of getting shivved in the night, let's talk about registration. Yeah, so the first thing we should talk about is should you do one day or should you do three days? Now, there is a beautiful blessing when it comes to either option. A uh, one-day thing is, oh, I'm literally just trying to see how this convention is. So you get a one-day pass. Now, I'm not going to suggest doing it on the last day because that's usually the worst day to do it, in yeah, my opinion. Yeah, there's not as much stuff that day. I would probably recommend Saturday, probably like you would as well. Right. Saturday is usually your best bet. If you're going to buy a one-day pass 
always buy a Saturday one or one that's in the middle, the dead center of the convention itself. Yeah, there are some cons that are four days, and you still want to aim for the middle of those four-day cons. So day two or day three, because those have the most events, they have the most concerts, most items, most panels, most photo shoots. It has the most content for you to absorb. So if you're going to go for just one day, try the middle day. It's usually your best bet. Now, if you're going to stay for the entire convention, this is when the hotel situation becomes your best friend. And that's why we were talking about it heavily, because most convention goers usually like to go for the full three-day deal. Usually, if you're doing a one-day deal, that's when you're going from home and back, and it's not a big deal. You don't need to worry about the hotel at that point in time, and that's a huge cost saver for you. Or if you need to borrow a friend's hotel room, because you're usually meeting up with a friend if you're going for a one-day, right. that's not a big deal. And then there's the whole situation where there are one-day cons. They're mainly college-related, but th- Those are the day. good ones, yeah. yeah. Like, I love one-day cons. They give you all the experience that you need. It gives you a very nice community to get a grip on. Yeah, it's a nice, neat, little, simple package, and it works wonders, actually, especially for people who are having that con depression. But that's something we'll bring up at a later point. When it comes to registration, one-day, full-day, doesn't matter. One of the big things that I like to hit on is, do you want it mailed to you or do you want to pick it up at the con? Yeah, both are good options, but depends on your situation. I'll give you a good example. I'm coming in from, let's say, all the way from the East Coast. I'm trying to go to a West Coast convention. All right. So So, you're going from like Massachusetts to California. Right. I bought my badge way ahead of time. I got it mailed to me. I'm excited. Everything's good to go. You're excited because you're going to the con, but you also saved money. Because if you buy a badge in advance, they usually sell it at a lower cost compared to when you buy it at the door. Keep that in mind. Mm. Those prices are awesome, especially, and here's a pro tip, if you go to other conventions throughout the year, you might run into a booth specifically for the convention that you want to go to. Most conventions have a thing called the roadshow price. The roadshow price tends to be some of the cheapest prices you're going to get bar none. Yeah, and basically it's like a pre-order. You're buying something in advance for you to use at a later date. Hmm. Now, they're not going to give you the badge right then and there. That would be silly. Yeah. Going back to the scenario, let's say, oh, I have to fly all the way out and my badge mysteriously goes missing. And that does happen in a numerous amount of cases and it can happen in a numerous amount of ways. Or your cat ate the badge again. Wouldn't that usually be the dog? Why would a cat eat a badge? Because my cat was a douchebag and really loved plastic. I could see the cat like tearing it to shreds with its claws. That makes a bit more sense. No, that cat found a way to eat that son of a bitch. I'm impressed. I am too. She was skinny as hell. Like, I don't know where I'm further impressed. Like, you've seen my cat. The thing was bone. 80% 80% bone. Yeah, he's not lying. Yeah. Not malnutrition, age. I don't know why, but that cat just believed that she was a runway model. Eh, whatever. Some cats can live to 20 years. Yeah, that cat lived to 27. Anyway, the whole idea of getting your badge early is awesome. You get to show off to your friends. And on that note, this is something that I'm just going to tell you from experience. Now, please, if you do get your badge early in the mail... Do not do. post it online. I am going to let you say that again. Do not post it online. Let the people in the back hear it. Do not post it online. Please, because here are the things that happen when you post it online. People find your badge. People get the art from your badge. People get your name from your badge i don't care if you bleed it out or not they get your qr code too because some badges have qr codes 
that means that badge and your name is no longer your badge. And even in that situation, if the con finds out, you get put on a very fun list, which means they send you an email detailing why your badge no longer is valid. Yeah, it basically goes down to false ID claims and someone pretending to be you, and then people can fake badges that aren't actually real, and that causes a huge problem in the system, and that's the issue. Is There's basically false badges going around that they got based off of the one you posted online. So please, do not post your badge online. I'm legitimately begging here, please don't, because I want you to enjoy the convention. Now, if you want to post the envelope the badge comes in, that's okay, but do not post the badge. Seriously, I cannot count on one hand, and that's a shame how many people cannot follow this simple rule because they think, oh, well, the convention's not going to do anything about it. I'm sorry. This but is, they do. Yeah, this is not freaking video game admins just kind of letting random stuff slide. This is serious business. I don't mean to sound so gruff about this, but it is a very serious situation, and I want it to stop as soon as possible. So if you do get your badge early, don't post it online. Exactly. Now getting back to the point, if you lose your badge on your trip on your way over, you're kind of out of luck and you're at a standstill because you're at the convention now on the other coast, right? Right. And But you either left your badge at home or it got lost. So how are you going to attend this event without no badge? Well, the easy way to fix the problem is obviously buy a new badge. But the issue with that you're not paying for another badge, you usually at double, maybe triple the price. Now, that is true, but most conventions nowadays have a lost badge fee. And it's not as expensive as a full badge, but you're also still wasting more money. When people come from an out-of-state, for an out-of-state convention, my biggest suggestion, do will call. Because you can pick up the badge at the con, and you usually have to wait in a smaller line than picking up a badge just in general and just getting to the con and just being like, hey, I'm going to pick up a badge and not pre-register at all. Right. You may have noticed there's a third option that we haven't really talked about because, quite frankly, I always try and shy people away from this option, but it's sometimes unavoidable. Buying the badge at that's probably the worst option because the lines can be up from five to six hours and you're waiting in a long line and that's a decent amount of your con time that you're in a line not doing anything now there are little fun things that can go on in the line yeah. like you'll do like hey you'll send like a message on like your 3ds like hey jump if you have a 3ds like everyone with like, a 3ds will like jump in the line or something or like right. you'll see cool cosplays or something like that or in some situations we have long lines for registration for this reason because we like to call them line cons, where essentially people are shouting memes, people are blaring music, people are throwing like beach balls and having a good time because quite frankly, you're at a con to have a good time, even if you're standing in a standstill line for like hours on end. And you're going to do something to entertain yourself while you're in that line. You're just going to stand there bored being like, I hope something exciting happens. Make the exciting thing happen. Now, on that note, sometimes there's line dividers and all that fun stuff. I'm going to save you guys some trouble. Don't climb underneath the line dividers to speed up. Don't remove them either and try and go between them either, because that also isn't going to serve you right. any favor. That's not going to serve you any favor. That's going to slow you down, because you're going to be asked to either go back or, you know, fix what you broke. Because, yeah, you're not a limbo champion. If you are and you're listening to this, I salute you and your limbo prowess, but don't show off. 
Yeah, the uh, convention pays the hotel or the convention center for these items, and like if they get broken, they obviously have to pay for them. Yeah, it's it. a very annoying situation. So respect the area around you, follow the lines, and then go from there. Each convention has different rules. Each convention has different guidelines on this. They're always going to be posted. So speaking of respecting the area around you, going back to hotel rooms, when you get the hotel room and you're in that with your roommates, please make sure you respect the hotel room with your roommates because like i said they put your credit card on file so if there is an incident they will charge you but jacks and i have run into multiple instances where our roommates have not respected the room and have caused issues going further and causes problems for us and our roommates and yeah um there have been situations where i have been put in a debt because my roommates believed it was a good idea to smear fake blood all over the bathroom and just leave it there or, you know, leave the room like a hurricane came through. Yeah, body paint also does a number on hotel rooms, so if you aren't careful with your body paint, that can also cause an issue and cause an incidental fee. Yeah, incidental fees are not fun because, you know, that little deposit that you have to pay at the beginning, that covers, like, very minimal things. Yeah. Mainly stuff like if you break a cooking appliance, like a coffee pot or something like those lines, things can like that can happen. You can break a small item or something. Yeah, it's it's a small item. It's a small item insurance policy. It's not. I have to redetail the entire room because you guys decided that you were gonna have a blood rave in here. So please respect the place like you live there because you're living there for about three to five days, depending. Yeah, because some people go on Thursday and they leave on Monday, so that's five days. But that's mainly the extreme cases, but I'd say the average is probably about three. Three, give or take. Speaking of rooms and roommates, I have to bring this up, and it's kind of a sad topic that I have to bring up. But I want to teach you guys, at least now, or at least eventually, how to prevent a roommate scam. We we said it earlier to always have your roommates pay in advance. I try and make all of my roommates pay at least a week in advance because that gives me enough time to make sure that I have enough money to afford it if like one or two people drop or make sure the balance is right. Yeah, that's a big thing you want is if a person or two do drop, you do want to make sure that you can still afford the room for the convention. If a person or two does drop from the room, usually the hotels have a pretty generous cancellation policy and you can cancel the day before the convention and it's not too much of a hassle. When it comes to situations like this, always make sure that you have at least enough to cover, not just for yourself, but just in case, like, your roommates decide to drop. Not all of them, but at least, like, one or two. Yeah, for example, I had a AX room where it was five people, and everyone dropped except for me and my friend, and we had a long conversation about if we could afford the flight the hotel, and all the travel expenses so that we'd be fine going to AX for up to a week. And after review, we found that we were fine and we could afford everything. So everything worked out just fine. But if you do have that happen, you should talk with your roommates and try and figure it out or see if you want to bring up a new person into the room. But you want to be careful about that as you just don't want a random somebody who you meet on a forum or who you meet just in a random like Facebook group, something like that. One of the most infamous horror stories in our area was a guy decided that he was going to pretty much cram as many people as possible and reap the profits. Yeah, he would say a room was like $1,500. It was actually 1000 bucks, and then he'd make an extra 500 off the room after cramming, you know, 15 people in there. 
Yeah, and that's not cool no matter how you look at it. So don't try and be a scammer. Don't try and scam your friends into giving you money to room with you. Just have fun at the con. It's an expensive event as is. Don't try and make it any more expensive for the people around you. Yeah, because you aren't going to make any friends doing that way. You're actually going to make people angry, and then it's not going to go over for you going further, and then you're kind of setting yourself up for failure going in the future. So just be careful, and I wouldn't recommend that at all. I will never recommend it, and I don't look kindly on people that do. No, neither of us do. So, yeah, don't we don't recommend it and never do it. So you're going to a convention. If you're going to a convention, you're expecting to spend some amount of money. You don't know how much but you should probably figure that out before you go. This is where knowing exactly how much you are willing to spend in a budget situation is actually going to save your life because budgets make perfect. How much should you have at a convention on average anyway? What do you think? Well, it depends on your job and your free spending money because it's going to vary from person to person, right? So it's not going to be, I could say $1,000. That might work for me, but then that might work for someone else. And that might also be on the high end. Right, that's redonk for me. Like, I... I'm kind of a frugal person. I very seldom get a chance to do much in the buying sense. So at a convention, my usual budget's like three hundred. I'd on say the high a end. safe bet is probably three to five hundred, depending on your job situation, obviously. But it's like if you're including hotel, you're including food, you're including the badge. That's usually about up to three hundred bucks right there, and that's not including buying stuff in the dealer's hall. So well, and people, depending on who you are, you can go crazy in the dealer's hall. Right. But, uh, usually I try to limit myself to about 200 to 300 bucks in the dealer hall. I try to keep my other expenses down to about 300 to 400 per convention, depending on the convention. But, you know, for a badge, a room, and food, that's not too bad. Right. And that's also with rooming with other people. Uh, we, we know people that like to room with just themselves. And sometimes it's actually a great budget option because, hey, you get your space for the weekend. You have all the time to do whatever you want usually the single rooms not as big as the double rooms but there can be some pretty good rates on those rooms though that's why they're so valuable actually the odds are not always in your favor when that situation so usually when you're just going and remember this is the first convention when you're just going your best bet go with a buddy get a decent room start from there yeah, and it's probably going to be about 400 to 600 bucks depending on the location and what you want to do and if it's a full weekend or a day or not. But that's probably a safe bet just to be on the safe side. Right. Now, when it comes to budgeting, one of the big things I will always suggest is food. Food is going to be your friend. Do you want to buy food at the convention or do you want to bring it with you? Yeah, those are the two options. Uh, you can bring snacks in your room and then you can also bring you know food from home. You can prepare a sandwich and put it in a cooler and then have that stuff available to Mm. you in your room that is an option but usually buying food at a hotel or a convention center can be on the pricey side it can be up from anywhere from 10 to 15 dollars for like a normal meal if you're lucky yeah i'm gonna say this now as you know a kind of a health nut when it comes to eating don't try and survive on mcdonald's for an entire weekend it's a very bad idea another thing to not also try to survive on a whole weekend is ramen while it is cheap and affordable and it you is a not... staple diet of the college student yeah you should not try to survive on it for a whole weekend you're eventually going to need something with more substance right also ramen packets very high in sodium guess what you're going to be downing water like a motherfucker yeah i mean you can use the coffee maker in your room to cook ramen 
and you do not put the ramen in the coffee maker. You put the ramen underneath the hot water that's going to come out of the coffee maker. Seriously, I don't know how many people fuck this up. It's stupid. You're going to be paying more money. And most coffee makers and hotels nowadays are Keurig. So don't put the fucking ramen packet in the goddamn coffee maker. Just just get the hot water. Yeah, because that's what you really need. You can't really cook anything of like value in there, like soup or anything either. It's just hot water that's available. Yeah, when it comes to the whole budgeting on food thing, we'll, we'll talk on that a little bit later. But in some situations, you kind of learn really quick looking into what your hotel allows and what they don't allow and what amenities they have in the hotel itself. Sometimes if you are lucky and if you are able to bring one, it's never a bad idea to have like a cheap microwave with you. Yeah, you can get a decent microwave for cheap, but not all hotels allow it or not all hotels have a microwave in their hotel. Sometimes you're just stuck with the coffee maker and whatever else you bring in in the cooler. And sometimes you're super lucky with the amenities and they might as well have an entire kitchen in the bloody thing. Yeah, there are a couple conventions mainly at Kalahari Resorts and they have a full kitchen in some rooms and you can actually cook yourself like a whole breakfast in there. And for those cons, it's actually very nice that you can do that. Right. But that's not an option at every single hotel either. Right. Sometimes you want to check the amenities, check and see if they have free breakfast in the morning or something. Yeah, that's something you can check online, and they usually have that listed in their amenities section. When it comes to the other half of the food budget, the other big thing is, like we said, are you willing to go out every once in a while? And quite frankly, I'm going to highly suggest it every once in a while. Don't try and survive on it. It's a heavy burden on the wallet. And your dietary restriction as well, because not all fast food is healthy oh. either. Obviously. Oh, I wasn't talking about fast food. Oh. No, I was talking specifically like, oh, let's go to a nice dinner or something like that. Well, yeah, well, they can be healthy, but they can also be non-healthy. It depends on the restaurant, I guess, is what I'm trying right. to say. Either way, you're spending more money on a pocket. So if you want to do like a nice dinner and say that's like 20, 25 bucks, you can do that, but I wouldn't be doing that every day. I'd, right. I'd keep that for maybe a, like Saturday or Friday. Right, just evening. a nice night out with the friends, hang out at a decent, yeah. if you're old enough, at a decent bar, or if you're not old enough, hang out at like a decent restaurant that's open late. Or you can order like a nice pizza to the hotel and, and do that, and then right. you can pool your money that way and then give it to the pizza right. jar when they deliver the pizza. Some places, I don't know, well, actually, I don't know if it's everywhere, but there are a lot of pizza places popping up that have pizzas the size of a small room that you can buy for cheap at a convention. And those get ridiculous. That's a party pleaser and a half. Yeah, no, those, those guys work wonders and they can feel up to like probably like 20 to 30 people and they work great. And they're probably also about like 30 or 40 bucks. So it's like a buck a person. That's not bad. When it comes to the other half of the budget, you want to make sure, hey, I want to make sure I have enough for, you know, just the convention itself. I want to buy art for my favorite artist or have stuff from my favorite characters. Or you want to buy a t-shirt because like, hey, I like this nerdy t-shirt. I want to buy a figure of my favorite character. Some conventions you can buy swords. Some people like to buy swords at conventions. So you can do that. And I'm going to probably make a quick announcement on that. When you buy a sword at a convention, that is not an open invitation to pull it out of the box or the bag or what have you and swing it around like your freaking Guts or Kenshin Hamura or any... Uh, Ichigo is, from Bleach. I mean, who, who else do we, who we got Any there? shonen person with a sword. Let's go there. Yeah, that, that would work. But essentially, you want to keep it boxed or you'll get home. Because if you open it in your hotel room, I guess that's technically fine. But if a cop finds it open in your car and it's in your back seat, 
and they pull you over, they're gonna have a lot of questions and you aren't getting off easy. Yeah, also, um, this is something also important. If you can't put it on a plane, it's usually not a good idea to do it at a long distance con. Yeah, you'd want to buy that close to home. Also, the other big thing is the convention will have a lot of questions for you if you're going around with a freaking sword all willy-nilly that's completely steel. Yeah, because most props at a convention are made out of foam or cardboard or, or a mixture wood. of the both. Or, or yeah, plastic. Yeah, wood and plastic are also options, but... None of them are ever, ever life steal. Now, that also goes with gun props. That is something that people do sell. They do sell airsofts, and they do sell very realistic airsoft guns. Those have been slowly but surely becoming illegal at conventions to just have on you. But if you ever do have a gun at a convention, you need to have an orange tip on it to be walking around with it. It cannot have an open muzzle. Like, I respect you for having a FOID or whatever you have, but... Unless the state is specifically open carry, I don't think it should be allowed, personally. That's just me. Yeah, that should just be on the safe side. That way you don't worry about other shooting incidents which have been unfortunately happening around the country. But that's a different topic. Back on the topic of food, this is something that I always see people make the mistake on. When they think food, they always think, oh, I'm going to have chips and pizza and I'm going to have sandwiches for the entire con. No. Please understand this. I know it's a little bit tricky, but sometimes just Tupperware is full of, like, cooked food and stuff that you can eat hot or cold is usually your best option. Especially if you're doing, like, a long-distance traveling thing where it's like, oh, I'll just get paper plates somewhere along the road or have, like, some basic savings of plastic plates, plastic forks, plastic spoons, whatever you have. Always pre-cook your meals. Don't assume that you can cook at the convention. And especially don't assume they're always going to have a microwave. So if you are going to cook, cook something that can be eaten hot or cold. Yeah, because if you do bring something that you pre-cook, it's also going to save you a lot of money on that expenditure side of things. Because cooking for yourself is always going to be cheaper than eating out. Best example, and I've always seen commercials like Aldi or any other food store like, Oh, well, we have low prices for this. We have low prices for that. I saw that one stupid picture online where it's like, oh, 10-piece chicken from KFC costs this much, but you can get the exact same amount of stuff, fresh vegetables and all this other stuff. And I even then, I'm like, how the fuck you get all that on the same price? No, you can get variety. You can get fresh fruit. You can get within the same price range of, let's say, the entirety of the con of how much you're going to spend. Let's say at an average, what, 90 bucks for food? if you're eating out every single yeah day. that's every single time yeah that'd yeah. be about 90 bucks but i think the average would probably be about 50 if you were not doing every single meal yeah so between 50 and 90 dollars i can assure you you can make about eight meals from home and pack them from home without amount, amount of money oh you could probably do more than that you probably double that I'm right not, that's not that's not a joke let me let me just tell it from the frugal side of things it's better to save the money and spend it before the con and make your food than it is to go out every single day. Yeah, because then you can get more of the stuff that you're there to buy because sometimes at the convention you can only purchase certain items at the convention at the dealer's hall. like And cer- at certain times. Yeah, like certain figures, certain playing cards, etc. Trust me on this. Your best bet, invest in a cooler. Invest in some Tupperware because you're eating for the long haul. And it's going to save you a ton of money. So just like Batman, every con-goer or cosplayer should have a utility belt on their side to help them through the convention. 
Did you say Batman? I did. Na 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 Batman. Rest in peace, Adam West. Indeed, rest in peace, my good sir. Now, for a general congoer, I would recommend a couple things to have on you. You want your cell phone or device for someone to reach you on, a external charging source or a backup charging source for that device, and then you also want 10 to $20 on you at all times in case you need an emergency stash of money for whatever reason. Now, for cosplayers, I would recommend a couple different small things. First thing is your lord and savior, the, the hot, hot glue gun. gun, because that is required by literally all cosplayers, and it will save you so many times, I can't even begin to count them. It is ridiculous. You also want a small sewing kit and extra material of whatever you wore just to be on the safe side in case something goes wrong. Uh, you also want general wig supplies. So comb, your sprays, and your gels. And then for props, you want like... Well, I keep what I call the prop medic Yeah, bag, exactly. Primarily because it's like, okay, you keep very small tool, like a very small toolbox... Don't try and bring your entire armory with you. It's not a good idea. Keep a very separate box specifically for those tools. Zip ties save lives. Different types of glues save your butt. This is going to sound weird, especially coming from me and from those that have known my work before. Wonderflex. Wonderflex is one of the best band-aids you will ever have in your life. Yeah, and you also want to make sure you bring a pair of scissors just in case you need a pair of scissors because sometimes you have those loose threads or you need that extra piece that needs that extra cut. And then you also want to bring maybe some type of cleaner just in case something gets dirty or you want to clean mm. something up at the last moment just to be on the safe side. The other thing is, I'm going to suggest this, bring a bottle of, especially if you have a prop that has specific colors, bring bottles of acrylic paint and clean paint brushes primarily because spray painting your props or whatever in your hotel room not a good idea oh no that's gonna end terribly for you you're either gonna see the eyes of god or you're gonna see the eyes of the manager one of the two now they're good yeah when you're actually doing this type of stuff cosplayers have kind of a giant um rucksack that they're gonna have to carry with them not at all times but at least keeping in the hotel room yeah you can have like a small backpack with these items i guess is what i would call it and if you are going to bring painting supplies, I'd also bring newspaper or you can use the paper towels I mentioned earlier hmm. to cover the ground that you're going to be painting I them because you don't want it on a newspaper. Yeah, because either one work, work wonders and generally newspaper is free because they'll just throw it at you at your doorstep and you're like, I don't want this anyways, but I, I guess I can use it for something because that's what all that spam mail is great for. I'm not going to lie. Well, yeah. What do you think I use all those credit offers? I use the cards that actually have a straight edge. Oh, no. I, I, I do too. It saves hmm. wonders. Hmm. One of the other big things, and this is this is for everybody, bring fresh socks. Please, this is something that I noticed that everybody and their grandma tries to avoid, but fresh socks for a convention, it's a little pricey, but guess what? You are going to be thanking me at the end of the day when those fresh socks finally burn out and you can just swap to another set, just right out the pack. Yeah, you also want to make sure that if the room doesn't have an iron, you bring an iron along to iron out your cosplay if you do if they don't have an iron in the room because you don't want a wrinkled mess for like photo shoots and stuff because oh. then you're not going to be happy with the photos you get back because you're like well why does my costume look so all wrinkled and stuff and then you're like oh wait i didn't iron it so you want to make sure it looks nice and proper like if your cosplay is supposed to look ragged please just roll around in it a couple of times it'll be fine yeah if you're if, if your costume is supposed to have dirt on it right and it's supposed to be dirty or you're supposed to look like you just got out of war or battle or something you want to do like the battle look yeah, just roll around on the dirt for a bit. You'll, you'll look just fine. Right. It's that or, you know, paint effects help a little bit. But fresh dirt never hurts nobody. 
one of the other big things, and this goes for everybody, cosplayers especially, hot and cold packs. These can for, save your life. These will save your life. A small little mini fan even will save your life. Yes. The big thing, the biggest thing that every cosplayer, every convention goer, every human being needs to keep in their utility belt is something that I keep next to me every day. It's a bottle of fucking water. Yeah, water, it makes up 75% of your body, and you're going to need it throughout the con, and you need to stay hydrated. Most hotels, most convention centers will have random watering stations. Hopefully, do not gambit on just them being there when you need them. The smart thing to do is carry a refillable bottle of water or a couple of disposable bottles of water on you at all times. Yeah, and even if it doesn't match your cosplay, you can always put it in like a side or handbag that you can put down for photos and then pick back up later and just keep an eye on that bag with your extra supplies in it if you need to do it that way. Keep a bottle of water on you. Keep some form of snack because sometimes you get hungry out there. Sometimes you're not so hungry that you want to go and get a whole meal and you don't want to go back to the hotel room. So like something, just something to nibble on. Yeah, you could do something like peanut butter and crackers. You could do like your favorite hand-sized candy like M&M's or Skittles. Something really basic and simple. It doesn't need to be something complicated. It doesn't count as a meal. Don't ever think that. Yeah, exactly. I wouldn't re- really recommend like something like apples or something that you need to keep cold to like eat or something that you have to worry about the freshness about. But I'd try and do something that you can keep at, at a room temperature so that way you don't have to worry about the condition of the food upon eating it. One of the other big things, try and keep the cold pack on you if you know you're going to be in like a super hot, super humid situation where you are going to be sweating. Yeah, mainly for like a Gundam cosplayer or a furry or someone who's wearing a giant like mech outfit of some type. If you're going to be covering your whole body in armor and you're be out in the heat, you want to make sure that you're able to keep yourself cool. Because if you're going, you don't want to have a heat stroke while you're wearing your cosplayer costume. Like there's no point to like having a heat stroke just to be in an outfit. There's not, it's not worth it. And especially at a dance party where you know you're going to be overheating or even worse a cold compress is gonna pretty much be your best friend now hot packs do the opposite let's say it's a winter convention let's say you're in a cold state let's say anything cold and you need to be warm you're not gonna suffer for your craft you're gonna try and keep warm yeah because i know like for some instance some of the love life outfits they're really cute in their winter outfits but they are super thin in like the clothing wise yeah and i wouldn't recommend like if you do a photo in the snow for like snow halation i get that that makes sense to me because you want the snow in the snow halation obviously right but you don't want to be freezing your bonds off because i know for my photo when i did that we huddled in a group and we're like let's stay warm together because it's freezing outside let's stay warm together because half of us have no midsections in our costumes and we're about to lose a lot of skin to frostbite i mean the photos came out great we were happy with them but but you, you, like, if you're gonna do a photo shoot outside in the cold, just make sure you're properly prepared that you have like the warm things nearby just in case. Right. Those are some major important things that we try to tell people, and it comes out to, hey, it's a lot to take in. Trust me. I mean, we're doing this what an hour in at most. It gets deeper. Yeah, it goes way deeper. Now, speaking of cosplay. Should you cosplay your first time? Ooh, now that one's a fun one. Now, Jax and I have different opinions on this, but you can technically do it either way, and either way is perfectly fine, and how you want to do your cosplay, whatever way, is perfectly fine. Now, personally, my belief, because this is how I did it, I don't think you should cosplay your first time. 
I think it should be a learning experience. And the reason I think it, it should be a learning experience is because at your first con, there's a lot to absorb and there's a lot to learn. And if you go to your first con and you don't cosplay, you can learn tips and tricks for other cosplayers and how they did it. And then for your first costume, you can do something more advanced than your normal simple costume. But if you are going to cosplay your first time, I recommend you follow the KISS principle, which is keep it simple stupid, and you do something that's very simple and very accessible for you to learn and it's not too difficult. And if you miss a couple small details, that's fine. What matters is that you're happy with your outfit and that you think you do an accurate representation of the character for yourself. And that'd be something like a school outfit or something that is very common and very easy to go by and that's not too difficult and easy for you to learn because you shouldn't have to worry about it too much for your first time because you should be focusing on the fun of it and you don't want to do something that's like oh I need all the time and the knowledge and the prep work to make like a huge mech suit like there's no one out there who's gonna do a huge mech suit for their first cosplay because that's really difficult and you need a lot of time and knowledge to do that now you might have friends that might be willing to help you for that type of thing but not everybody has those connections. Not everybody is going to want to sit down and go, oh, I'm going to help this person build a colossal Titan cosplay on the first go around. That's actually about 10 foot tall. No, don't don't ever try and do that on your first run. There's a lot of there's a lot of give and take that goes with that. We're going to cover that in a bit, especially when it comes to last second cosplays, last second props and so on and so yeah, forth. Yeah, but I mean, if you want to do your first cos cosplay or crossplay and you want to thrift store a decent amount of it to like learn and get your feet wet, there's nothing wrong with that. That's actually a decent way to learn about how to get materials for cheap and how to improve upon them. And that's a good entrance way in yeah. some cases. None of us, neither one of us here are going to tell you, no, you have to buy the finest materials. You have to find the most accurate XYZ blah 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 we're pretty much saying please have fun while doing it but take the time to actually put the effort down yeah you want to cosplay for yourself you're not cosplaying for anybody else you're doing it for you and if you're actually doing it for a group that's fine but you should still be focusing on you to some degree by the end of the day you're doing this for yourself to some degree hmm. that kind of swings into my belief where quite frankly i personally believe that you for your first convention you should honestly you should cosplay i'm not telling you that it's a requirement i'm not telling you no go out there research a character do it no i'm not telling you to do that i'm saying if it's something that you want it is something that you really want to do and you have a character that you would really love to cosplay, hell with it. Do it. But here is my beliefs. Number one, like we said, cosplay who you feel like you should cosplay. Cosplay people that you want to cosplay. To hell if the character does not look like you specifically. It is very, very hard to, to have someone who looks like you. That, right. Like, the chance of that happening is literally one in a million. Like, there's never going to be an accurate one-to-one -one representation between you and a character. That like, has... if that happens, that's nice, but it is nowhere near a requirement for that. Well, technically, like, the character can be a different gender because I, I cross-play all the time, so that's not a requirement. Uh, you can cosplay someone as a different skin, but I, I would recommend you keep your own skin color for that. You don't try and, like, blackface or anything. I, I would yeah, say that's, it's... Not, that's not recommended at all. And for me, it's like, I'm a six-foot-tall black man. I'm cosplaying small white people 80% of the time. I think I can say this with a, without a shadow of a doubt. Cosplay who you like. Yeah, just cosplay who you love. 
And I mean, if you eventually do cosplay for a group and you choose like the character who's missing, there's nothing to say you can't go back and cosplay your favorite character later because sometimes you're willing to make a compromise for like a group, but I wouldn't make something a compromise that you're uncomfortable with. Keep it reasonable. Right. And it's like, no one's pretty much telling you, hey, you are forbidden to cosplay this character. You are forbidden to do this costume. No. What the thing is, is like, okay, you want to do, let's say, X cosplay, but your friend is doing X cosplay. And the first knee-jerk thing that a lot of people tend to think is, oh, because they're doing it, I can't. I have to choose another character. This isn't like you're playing a friggin' fighting game where the characters are locked in. Though I don't think they do that anymore. No, you can usually games. all play the same character if you want. It's not like only one person can play a character. I mean, League does that sometimes, but that's usually restricted to professional League games. Usually in non-professional League games, it can, you can have the same character on each team you yeah. know, type thing. Okay. But yeah, I agree. Like, if both of you and your friend want to cosplay the same character, good, that's great. You can use each other to work off one another and learn and become better. I would use it as, like, a building tool rather than be like, oh, man, he's already doing it. I also can't do it because that would be too similar. It's like, well, someone eventually is going to cosplay the same character. It's not like, oh, I'm going to be the lone Sailor Moon cosplayer of all time. Like, that's, that's, that ain't happening, Chief. So, I mean. Yeah, and <laughs> here's the other big thing. Sometimes it actually is a good thing that both you and your friend are cosplaying the same thing. You can learn from each other. You can actually build things in tandem. And that's another big thing. That's why I say, hey, if you want to do it for your first year, go for it. Also, this is a big thing that I try and propose to people is the fact that you don't have to cosplay a one-for-one -one character. You don't have to like do the uniform that actually is in the show. You can actually bring out the best of a character and turn it into a meme, almost. Yeah, you can do a casual cosplay, and it turns out really well. And some people just like to do that for fun. People do that for, like, a Sunday cosplay. It's just a nice little casual fun thing for them to do. Yeah, one of my favorite ones I've ever seen is this woman was cosplaying Tsunade from Naruto. She didn't have the actual costume, but she had the wig, she had the makeup, everything was good. But she had a t-shirt that said, lost my, lost my shirt in a bet. That's something that, if you know the character and if you know the series, it is a beautiful thing. Stuff like that, it's great, especially if you don't have the time or the money to actually do the character, but you really want to. Yeah, just a nice little in-joke for people who are fans of the series, and it really helps like connect with people at the personal level if they understand the, the in-joke that you're making relating to your character. Or another one, speaking of Sailor Moon and my weird head of heads, there was a Sailor Pluto cosplayer that was going around holding up a sign and like this cloak, like this giant blue cloak going around saying, am I a planet or not, guys? Yeah, Pluto's still a planet. I've seen that one too. Yeah. Like they still consider Pluto a planet, which it actually did get reclassified as a planet, but that's a different Finally. tale for later. Another thing while we're talking about cosplay, we're on that topic, is even if it's your first cosplay, you should still not rush it. What we would recommend is that you take the time to do the research and learn the finer details about making the cosplay or the costume because that's going to serve you well later on from our complicated projects. Now, we're not saying you need to get every little intricate detail of the costumer. That's not what we're saying. But what we're saying is, is that you shouldn't rush the process or the learning process of making the cosplay because some things can take a while and they can take multiple attempts. And not everything's going to be perfect the first time. But you should learn the methods of how they're doing it and why people do it so that way you can use that information going further. Also, please do not be shy of failure. 
you're not going to be a savant on the first try. Mm -hmm. Everything you build is literally being built from the ground up. Expect errors. Yeah, like no one's perfect. None of the professional cosplayers that you can probably hear their name of, they weren't perfect either. They also had a learning curve just like Jax and I did. We weren't perfect either. We still are perfect. I'm a fucking moron I, I, when it I comes to things. I don't think any perfect... Excuse me. I don't think any professional cosplayer is perfect. I think if you took the time to look at their stuff, you would eventually find an error in their work, even if it is minor. Right. You can have something that you consider perfect. If somebody else calls you out on like some little error, screw them. It's an error. You know it. They know it. Just fix it for another thing. And usually, thing. as a cosplayer, you usually beat yourself about your own errors the worst. And sometimes, if you think it's an error, sometimes people don't even recognize it. Sometimes that's a beautiful thing, or there's a way to hide your error. So just keep in mind that no one's perfect in this, and that we're all doing this for fun and to learn. Right. So, so. no one's expecting perfection from you, and just try to do the best that you can. Hmm. So we've talked about a lot right now. We've been covering a massive chunk of information that i personally believe that you desperately need before you even touch the convention floor but one of the big things that a lot of people tend to skim over is what i like to call the cosplay do's and don'ts one of the first things is something that i've learned over the years is what i've been lovingly calling the two three four shower twice a day eat three times a day and four hours of sleep minimum now, you can sleep up to eight hours, and no one's going to fight you for sleeping more than four hours because, you know, we're all creatures of habit and we need our sleep. So if you sleep more than four hours, no one's going to complain at you. But just keep in mind that's on convention time that you're paying for. Now, also keep in mind that some of this stuff should be common sense, and people don't always follow common sense. Yeah, there's a reason why I say shower <laughs> twice. Um, This is, I, I, I keep giving, like, little call-outs on stuff like this. But I'm, I'm going to do another one. Please, everyone listening, hear my soothing voice. If I see this happen, it is a bad thing. And this is going to be a thing I repeat three times again, once again for you. Because Jax knows what I'm about to say. Yes. Take a shower, because Axe Body Spray is not a shower. Now let me repeat that louder in the back. Axe is not a shower. Repeat it to the bitches in the back. Axe is not a fucking shower. Say it loud. Say it proud. Axe is not a fucking shower. Amen. Amen. Fuck whoever thought that was a good idea. But you will use this as your gospel from now on and never use Axe as a shower Be again. Because at the end of the day, here's some shit that you need to realize. You will smell like Khan's funk and half. Do not do it. It All it does is literally mask the shit. It's like fucking perfume. Do you put fucking perfume on a pile of shit? No, you do not. That do not does be not solve shit. the issue. It is only a temporary fix. Now keep in mind, hey, I don't know what Khan funk smells like. If you're just wondering, just for those who are curious and have never smelled it before, just enter the game room for literally two minutes and you will smell it just fine. And that no, is not a joke. You don't even need to go into the game room. Go near the game room and wait for someone to open the door. You know that giant wave of heat that just slapped the shit out of you? And that, you that's just start what seeing that is. Stars? That's all you need. See, I have a saying. At the end of the day, 
If I, if you ever hear me say this out loud, mmm, smells like con Sunday. Guess what? It smells like a corpse in here. Actually, no, the corpse smells nicer. Yeah, corpses smell better than con punk. Uh, con punk. Con punk sounds like an awesome ass genre. Yeah, I just, I just flubbed my words. I meant con funk. Excuse me. So don't smell like con Sunday. Yeah, I call it con funk. He calls it con Sunday, but it's essentially same thing. You smell bad. Don't smell bad. Basic hygiene is not that hard to follow. Please follow it. Put on deodorant and take a shower. Body spray does not replace a shower. It never will. Never believe that it ever will. Once upon a time, there was an entire group of cosplayers that believed this entire thing and thought it was helping. And it was a great idea, but it was kind of one of those situations where it was like, you're trying to help a situation, but in truth, what you're doing is making it worse. Exactly. You're hurting it right. instead of improving it. Like, they were in entire tactical SWAT gear. Some of them in gas masks, like the smart people they are. And they were going around saying, axe check. And people were going around lifting their arms and making the situation smell like onions and death. But they would spray him down. And for me, I salute those people because, quite frankly, it was a good idea. It was a good idea. I mean, they had their heart in the right place. It was just poor execution. And if they improved upon the execution, probably would have worked just fine. Right. And it's like, I, I, I can't fault them for trying. Yeah, they, it's better to try than not try at all, right? Right. So. This is something I'm telling you now. No one wants to approach you if you smell like rat ass and clown farts. Don't do it. Yeah, like, people don't want to be around that, and it's not an enjoyable thing to be around. So just try and remove that situation from occurring, is what we would recommend. Please. And that is one of the major things. The eat three times a day, that's common sense. Four times if you really want to. Hell, I don't care how many times you, don't you eat. You don't even really need three. to eat three times. I mean, you could do two, if depending on your portions, if you play it right. But you at least want to eat two meals a day and maybe a snack. But well, you don't you, want to overeat twice. That's, you, that's, a, that's a... Well, it, dep it depends on the person and your diet, once again. But travel at your own risk. And, yeah. And, and do what's best for you personally, because your diet's going to be different from mine and Jax's. But... I'd recommend eating, you know, two to four times a day, depending on what you're going to eat, and just watch your calorie intake, and just make sure you're eating decent meals. Snacks don't count as meals, once again. Mm. And uh, like we said, make sure you're at least getting four hours of sleep. There are some people who try to, you know, not sleep at all during the con. We do not recommend that. You want that minimum hours of four sleep. If you sleep more, cool. If you sleep less, you can, but we don't recommend it. Doritos and nachos do not replace sleep and a meal. True. And Monster Energy drinks also do not replace sleep, and neither does coffee. As much as it, you would like it to, it does not work that way. See, this is why I don't drink coffee. Should have fucked you up. It can. Caffeine, hmm. well, caffeine is just a hell of a drug. Let's oh, be yeah. real. So, we covered pretty much the two, three, fours. One of the big things that we will actually cover in an episode all on its own is, is the nice, fun topic of con etiquette. Oh, and yeah. And then con etiquette is a big thing nowadays because... Apparently, people just don't know how to act like decent human beings anymore, which is kind of concerning. So we're going to cover this topic in depth at a later date. But while we're on the topic of con etiquette, let's talk about how to compliment a cosplayer. Because you should just compliment a cosplayer nicely. You don't need to say things like, nice ass, or you don't need to compare them to another cosplayer. You can just be like, I like your cosplay. I like this part that you did, or I like your prop. Your prop came out really well. How did you do it? Ask them, like stories about how they build their props or how they came about it 
Like, even if they just bought it, maybe they have a story about how they bought the item. Because, like, mm. there might be an interesting or painful story behind it. And they just might want to share a vent about it. Because, like, hey, it's something that they've been going through recently. So, like, they can talk to you about it. It's something that you guys can relate and connect to. But you want to try and do something nice. Make sure you're always asking for photo photos of a cosplayer. You just don't take a photo randomly. Because right. that's, like, not nice. If they're sitting down and they are not willing to take a picture... Don't just take a candid picture. That's rude. That's insulting. That's demeaning. Yeah. Because, like, usually if a cosplayer is busy, they'll usually be like, hey, I'm busy right now, but if you come back to me in, like, half an hour to an hour when I'm done with such and such, like, I'm because they're, like, at a panel or they're eating and they want to finish what they're doing, it's like, when I'm done with that, yeah, sure, I'm done for a photo, but right now I'm not available. I'm willing to do it later. Just let me know. And usually most cosplayers are pretty compromising, and usually most cosplayers are happy about getting a photo taken, but just make sure that, when you do it, you're doing it nicely, and you're doing it with the right attitude. Treat others how you want to be treated. Yeah, it's my golden rule. Speaking of pictures, this this is something that needs to be said. For the love of Pete, do not stop in a busy hallway, or in front of an escalator, or even on an escalator. Yes, because you'll have conventioners yell at you, or you'll have the con staff yell at you. And you just don't want to block busy lanes of traffic, because... Sometimes they're very small hallways and you can't get between them if someone stops and takes a photo in the middle of them. Now, if you want to take a photo in like the convention hall where there's more space or the big lobby in front of like the dealer's hall or something where there are a lot of people talking and they're, they're getting in big groups and like you see people stopping for photos there or people like shooting videos there, that's one thing because there's more room and there's more space there. But if you're doing like a small enclosed area and like that's the only path through there, you shouldn't be stopping and taking photos there. Mm. One of my one of my personal favorite things to say about this, don't be Snorlax. Snor yeah. If you've ever played Pokemon, if you've ever seen Pokemon, Snorlax is that big motherfucker that decides that he's just going to plop down and block the road. And not everyone has a polka flute to wake your ass up for you to move and get out of the way. Some don't people are shy about it, obviously. There's silent rage behind those eyes. Don't, don't be Snorlax. Just, you know, be polite. If somebody wants to take a picture, tell them to follow you. Get out of a busy intersection. Don't... Okay. This one's actually important, too. Don't stop in the middle of the road for a picture. Yeah, don't, don't do that. Oh, yeah. God, no. Don't block important entrances and exits. Just don't. Like, think before you do. And if you ever do do this for any reason, you make sure that it is a dead-end road if you're using a road, and if you're blocking an intersection and it's late at night and there's literally almost no one there. Right. Those have to be, like, the two exceptions. Mm. two exceptions excuse me and usually for like an intersection that you're blocking if you want really want to take a photo in a hallway usually the lighting at that point it's not going to be good anyways like there's no point in doing it that way you'd want to go to a place with better lighting because usually when that place is available it's late at night and the lighting's terrible for photos yeah this is something that really needed to be said don't don't just skim over this part this is kind of important during the day this is kind of one of those things where I don't understand why people don't understand why it's a bad thing. Keep your cosplays PG. Yeah, uh, because most cons are family-friendly to a degree, during the day you want to keep your cosplays PG or at least in a state of PG that you can alter if needed. If you do want to do a risky cosplay in the day for whatever reason, you want to keep it to a private location or you want to do it in some place where it's not going to be accessed by mom and her kids essentially right and if you do want to do something that's more risque then you have the evening because that's when the 18 plus panels are and then that's when the more risque content content is out because a lot of cons have 
18 plus panels. Risque Conte. I, I probably flubbed that word. I love it though. Risque Conte. I would actually wear a shirt that says that. <laughs> but I mean, th- but that's what's out there in the later hours. It's the after dark programming, and then that's when you should re- wear like the revealing outfits, and that's when it's more appropriate. Right. When it comes to revealing outfits, there's a few tips that me and my dear boy Cloud over here can actually give you. Number one, flesh-colored pasties work for everyone. Another option is dance belts. Dance belts also work for everyone, but especially for people who need to keep their belts up, a dancer's belt really helps with that. So like nudist beach cosplayers, for example, would be a great example to use that. Not only nudist beach, but Sentai suits, Spider-Man cosplayers, Deadpool cosplayers. Batman and Robin. Yeah, anything that your groin is going to be slapped on some latex or even freaking spandex, you want to keep your bits covered. This is mostly for your own dignity and for the fact that, yes, there are children that go to these conventions and not everybody wants to see your bits. Yeah, and if it does happen to you and your bits eventually do show, it's going to be very embarrassing for you. And there's not going to be a ready way to fix it if it does happen. Right. Also, not everybody's going to tell you that you had an oops moment. Speaking of, you know, cosplay etiquette, one of the big things that needs to be said is, you know, when you're cosplaying, it's all cool if you're staying in character. But that does not excuse you for being a dick. Exactly. There's a time and place to be in character, and there's a time and place to not be in character. And it's valuable to know when that is. Also, knowing the limits of how far with the character you are literally allowed to go in real life. I know you want to try and be your character to the fullest extent, I understand that, but there's a limit in real life about how close you can get. Also, using it and to the point where it's kind of going overboard, like, I see a bunch of Deadpool cosplayers nowadays do this, where... They act like fools and act like crazy psychopaths, and both of those things do personify Deadpool, but... He also has a serious side that that is actually shown in the comics, and he shows that he cares and that he actually can be a superhero when he needs to. Act silly, act goofy, but don't, like, do fucking strip dances on, like, a lamppost outside for the whole world to see and expect, you know, people passing you to assume that you're fucking sane. Yeah, the character is not always one set of mind. Like, yes, the character can be Sundari sometimes. I get that. But the character isn't always 100% Sundari. They also have that other side to them that they show eventually in the show. So it's like, I get you want to be in character for that bit and point in time, but you don't always have to do that all the time, 100% of the time. Just like real people, characters vary as people just like we do. Just because you're actually behind a mask does not mean that you're free to do whatever you want. Right. Like, you're still responsible for your actions. Like, yes, the mask can hide your identity, but that doesn't, like, remove you from the faults that you did if you did do something wrong. Yeah, and it doesn't mean that, oh, because I'm cosplaying this character and there's so many of me like that, they're never going to find me. Guess what? They're going to find you. Yeah, there's going to be some detail that differentiates you from another Deadpool cosplayer or whatever cosplay it is. So they'll be able to find out that it's you if you are wearing a mask. Just just saying, just like the internet doesn't hide you, the mask doesn't either. Exactly. And when we talk about, you know, knowing your limits when it comes to certain things, this goes both ways. I hate to say this, and the fact that we're going to have to go into deeper detail on this at a different episode hurts a little bit, but cosplay is not consent. It never has been, and no does in fact mean no. 
Right. No inappropriate touching of anybody. Anybody. Does it matter gender or race? Neither right. any of them. I don't care if they're cosplaying your wife or your husbando, the person that you hate the most. I don't care. Just inappropriate touching is not acceptable. If it's not consensual, it's not cool. So please, guys, understand this now before you jump into the deep end and do something that you're going to regret. Cosplay is not consent. And keep in mind, if you are doing this, it is in public and people will see it. So I don't know why you think it would be a good idea, but oh, do not do it. I don't care if you're doing it in private. That's Oh, yeah, don't do that either. That's, that's a, a whole different topic. That's but... a whole different ball of wax. Don't don't assume that, oh, because they're in this character or they're doing this costume, they're X, Y, and Z. No, don't be a dick. Just like we said, a person isn't always going to be in character and they're always going to match their character 100% either. So don't expect them to be because that's not a fair expectation of right. the person. That's something that we are going to have to cover in a very, very, very detailed segment on a completely different episode dedicated to yeah we can go to that topic, topic for hours unfortunately because there's a, a lot to cover there right yeah a little bit of a spoiler guys we talk about episodes way in advance a lot of things that a lot of people think oh maybe they should talk about this there's a chance that we're already talking about it if you want to say hey maybe you should do this or maybe you should bring this up feel free to email us yeah because we can either confirm or deny that an episode that might pertain to that may or may not be in the works and then if you do want us to bring something up if you feel like we over glossed something and we can review it and then talk about it and then we are add it never to shy to jump back to a topic yeah that's the whole point is of the learning of this, yeah. like we said earlier in the last episode. So, yeah, works yeah. for us. Yeah, and one of the big things is we want to make sure everybody is safe. Speaking of, the next thing we want to talk about is basic con safety. Just to get off the super, super... Well, no, we're not even getting off the super, super Yeah, we're kind of sticking at the same topic. We're kind of delving <laughs> deep into the shit pile. Yeah. First thing you need to know is who can help you. So usually if you go to a convention, you should set up a safe space for you if something does happen and you need to know the contact information of that person in that safe space. And if that person is not available to be reached for some reason, it could be a numerous amount of reasons, you can always follow up with security of the con. Each con nowadays has security. You can also follow up with the hotel staff. That's something that you always have to know. If all those fails, go to the staff. They are there to help. They are there to make sure that you're okay. Security usually is in their own special uniform. Staff always has the staff uniform and they're very easy to spot. And they usually also have a walkie-talkie on them so they can communicate information quick if they can't help you so they can get to someone who can help well, you. Well, that's security specifically. Most staffers have a phone on them. It's not... They can get to someone who can yeah. help. They can always connect you yeah. to somebody. And then for some reason, if you can't find convention staff... Hotel staff is an option if you're at the hotel or one of the hotels at the convention because some conventions consume multiple hotels. Just make sure you can find someone who can help you. If worse comes to worse, if you can find a random stranger to help you and get you out of a bind and pretend like you know them and someone's creeping on you, that is a valuable way to get out of them as a last-ditch effort, but it would not come as recommended. I'm never going to suggest violence. However, in this situation, safety is important. But your first and foremost thing that you need to do is get away. Not, you know, try and beat ass. Get away. That being said, let's say somebody tries to drag you back to their room. Never go alone with anyone you just met. Please, 
It is a very dumb thing to do. Follow the buddy system, learn from horror movies, and never go alone. Have a friend. Right. Do not randomly split up, gang. I'm sorry Scooby-Doo lied to you. It's not always fun. But Shaggy is a god! Shaggy is a god. Well, I'm telling you now, Scooby's better. I disagree, my good sir. I mean, Ultra Instinct Shaggy will whip all of our asses, but we're not going to worry about yeah, that. Yeah, this is a different topic for us to discuss in our free time. Yeah. So, we pretty much covered a lot, and one of the big things for basic con safety, there's dance parties, there's room parties. If you can avoid it, use the same common sense that you would in a club situation. Don't accept drinks from strangers, especially if you didn't personally pour it yourself, or if you didn't personally see the person pouring it. No blinking, no looking away, because roofies are a thing. Yeah. Because of many things that can go into a drink or food, you need to be careful. Because at these dance parties, they used to be known as raves, there are drugs and alcohol at them at the later portions. And people hide them and sneak them in. So if you're at a dance party or rave, I just be careful about who you take things from. Be careful with the water. Be careful with the food in there. I'd be just wary of everything in there and only drink and eat what you brought with you. That's something that I hate the fact that we have to cover. Yeah, we're all there to have fun, but some people are assholes and they think their fun is watching you suffer. It sucks. You sometimes can't even tell when it happens, but the best thing you can ever do is just follow the basic rules. Don't You don't even have to follow them like they're law. Just follow them like guidelines. Yeah, exactly. Because they probably think that they're adding to the fun when they're probably subtracting from it. You don't have the same experiences that they're going to have, obviously. So just want to be wary of the things out there. Now, this isn't meant to scare you. This is meant to inform you. I cannot stress that enough. Yeah, we're here to put up a scare wall and be like, oh, all these big bad things are going to happen to you as soon as you send the convention floor. Because that's not going to true. We're just trying to bring up the instances of the good and the bad. And because, the ugly. Yeah, because you need to highlight all aspects. Not just the positive ones and not just the negative ones. But you need to go from 0 to 100% and everywhere in between. You just can't. We just can't have any bases uncovered. Like We want to have them all covered, essentially. Yeah, we do not want you to sit there and go, but what if... No, 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 no. We're trying to remove all the but-ifs to the best of our ability. I mean, unfortunately, there are going to be some that eventually do arise, but we're going to try to minimize those. And those are some things that sometimes there are things that even we can't give you a good plan for. But for the ones that we can, please just take the guidelines with a grain of salt and try your hardest to stay safe out there. Now, speaking of planning, let's talk about scheduling. Yeah, let's go to something a little bit lighter for flavor and try and, you know, get into something that's actually a little bit more fun. Exactly. Now, when you go to a convention, there will be a convention schedule or planner that they will hand out while you are getting your badge. Uh, you can also get this usually on an app. Uh, conventions will have an app that you can find the schedule on as Nowadays, well. Nowadays, anyway. Yeah. yeah. And they have lists of when the dealer's hall is open, when the game room is open. They'll have lists of all the concerts all the tournaments, the masquerade, photo shoots, all that other fun stuff. Cosplay contests. Yeah. And it's going to help you plan out your convention. Now, what we recommend is to find stuff you're interested in. Long before the con, yeah, yeah, way before the convention happens. And try and plan out your days beforehand. If you can somehow get to the convention on Thursday and have the planner on you on Thursday and you can plan on Thursday, that works. But unfortunately, you need to expect conflicts. And that's a big thing that happens at conventions. Because either two things you like will conflict with the, one another, or they might even get canceled. 
Yeah, that's something that a lot of people kind of forget primarily because scheduling everybody's always like no i want to do this i want to do that i want to do this i want to do that and i'm gonna do all of these things and then they get depressed because oh well i couldn't get into this thing because the room was full i couldn't get into that thing because they cut the line this guest decided that they weren't going to come on after all and they canceled at the last second things happen so one of the biggest things that I can honestly suggest is keep your schedule fluid. Don't just sit there and go, well, these are the only things I want to do. Always have backup plans for your backup plans. Especially for international guests, please keep that in mind that sometimes customs is an issue. And that has happened before where, we, where there have been guests that have come from overseas. And there's an issue about getting through customs and then that they can't schedule for like their concert or their panel that they're going to hold. So just keep that in mind. Please also keep in mind that when you're going to a convention, try and make sure that there are like 10 things you want to do and that there are 10 different things. So 10 different cosplays don't count as 10 different things. That counts as one thing. So you want 10 different things, and if you can hit about nine of them, then we would recommend that you go to that convention. If you can only hit like one, two, or three, it's still not a bad thing, but keep your options open and go to it with an open mind. Me personally, and this is going to sound silly after everything we've said, I try and keep my schedule as open as possible where I'll say, oh, this is something I would like to do. This is something else I would like to do. And then I personally, I wander the hallways until I find something to do. Sometimes wandering is the best thing to do for a more experienced congoer because you kind of know the ropes. But for someone who's newer and someone who might want to plan things out a bit more for their first time, this is more recommended towards you. When it comes to like the concerts and raves and masquerades and gaming room panels and all that fun stuff, here's a quick tip. The gaming room is going to be open for a long ass time. So will the dealer's room. They're going to be open for at least 12 hours each day. Sometimes if, the game room is 24 hours. So you right. don't have to worry about those at all. Those are some of the more free-flowing aspects of the convention that you can be like, eh, I can do that whenever. Now as for panels, panels go once. Maybe well, twice for some rare instances. Here's a, here's a quick tip. Sometimes people, when they do their panels, and this is something I'm going to suggest whenever we do a panel episode, record their episodes and post them on YouTube. I don't care, and this is going to people that are doing panels, I don't care if you're not a big YouTube star, I don't really care if you this is your first YouTube video. Post your panels online. People actually want to hear what you have to say. A lot of people won't say it out loud. A lot of people won't come up to you about it. But it is something to see. Exactly. For my panel that I do at RamenCon every year, we post our videos online and on Facebook for people to see. And it's the same topic every year. It's still us eating hot peppers every year. But we post our content in case someone wants to see it Because you have way. a bunch of weirdos and your hot peppers. I mean, you're not wrong. But, I mean, part of that's the fun. But if, if you've seen Hot Pepper Gaming on YouTube, it's the same thing, but it's in a convention format. So another thing to keep in mind for the rave and other panels that take more than two hours because the rave will go anywhere from like four to six hours is that if you have a panel that falls during the rave, you can probably just go to the panel during the rave and then just miss out on an hour of the rave because no one goes to the rave from the beginning to the end. Yeah, it's I know people that try, but quite frankly... It's not a good idea. You're going to A, smell like Han Sunday by the time you leave. And B, you're going to be exhausted. And then you're going to have to trek all the way either back to your hotel room or drive all the way home. 
it's not really worth it. Yeah, and then usually if you're that tired, you don't really want to go to a panel at that point anyways. You'd rather just probably go to the bed. So if there is a panel you do want to see that's 18 plus and it's towards like the beginning of the rave, then you can go to like the panel and then miss the beginning of the rave and then you can go to the rave afterwards and hit the two hours that you want to see. Just remember guys, these are basic tips. Just don't try and stay in the rave the entire night. Make sure that you have the ability to, you know, function when you leave. Yeah, you want to make sure that you're able and alert so that way if you are driving home, you don't want to be, you know, driving home and falling asleep half the way because that's never good for anyone on the road. So just, just be safe with what you're doing. So now that the second rave is over, the final 24 hours remain and Con Sunday begins. Yep. Don't pay any mind to that giant smiling moon above you, because don't you worry about that. Some weird kid in a green tunic's gonna fix that right up. The main thing that we like to focus on on Sunday at conventions is the dealer's hall. And that is our happy place, because deals. Yes, deals happen on Sunday, and you're like, well, why don't you buy things on the other two days? You were mentioning that earlier. Well, you go to the dealer's hall on Fridays and Saturdays to see what type of deals you can get. Because why do dealers want to give you deals on Sundays? I'll tell you why. Because you're getting rid of inventory that they don't have to put back in their vehicle when they leave. Yeah, because imagine this, if you will. You just came to this convention with a crap ton of stuff. If you followed every suggestion we gave you, imagine having to lug everything back. Now, let's say there's that one little thing that's left over that you don't want to put into a box. Or you're having a hard time selling. So you're just like, let's just slap a couple of bucks off of it. Let's slap a percentage off of it and then hope it goes. And that's why dealers halls are really busy on Sundays because you're getting shirts at $10 off. You're getting some figures at $15 off because, hey, they don't want to deal with putting it away. And if they can just sell it to you, that's one less thing off their hands. And it helps them a ton and it also helps you a ton. So it, it helps both sides equally. Let's help them help us help them by taking those deals. And that's one of those things where it's like you kind of want to make sure you leave a little bit of time specifically for the dealer's hall. Yeah, I usually want to do that between like 1 and 3 p.m. Now, the reason you want to do that between 1 and 3 p.m. is because your morning's going to be preoccupied. And you're like, well, what's going to be preoccupying my morning? Well, if you're going to be there from Friday to Sunday, Sunday's your checkout day at the hotel. For most hotels, that time is noon. There are times where you can get extended to 1, but not all hotels will do that. Most usually have the hard cutoff of noon. You want to be prepared to check out by noon because there can be blockades in the elevators would probably be the best way to phrase it. There's no way to really describe it. One of the big things that I can actually say is if you if you survived LineCon, then imagine this um, European hard mode. You're dead tired after an entire convention, and now you're 20 stories up above the air, and now you're trying to get out before a certain time. Don't forget that most of the attendees are also probably hung over from drinking a lot of alcohol at this point, because Saturday night's the big drinking night. Yeah, and that's not for the young ones. That's, you know, for the older ones that can Exactly. Drink. Imagine that, if you will. You're now in a line to get down, to the ele- down from the elevator back to the main lobby so that you can check out and not get fined. And most of the time, most hotels are very kind about this, where it's like, oh, noon is the checkout time. As long as it's, let's say, 12.59, you're still good to go. But 
it's very it's a very finicky system yeah so for this reason what we're going to recommend to you is that the night beforehand you put some items in your car because then that way in the morning you'll have less to take and even better if you can pack the remaining items and you only leave the essentials out in the room that you need in the morning that's what we recommend as well another thing that is recommended is that if you're going to cosplay on Sunday, is that you keep it simple. This is where the school uniform outfit comes in, or Kigurumi, something nice and simple, or a casual character. Right, and for me and Cloud over here, we make sure for a fact that our tradition stays strong with Kigu Sunday, because mm -hmm. Kigu Sunday is comfort day. It's like, if you want to do a hard cosplay, save that for Friday and Saturday. You have more time to get prepared, prepare your makeup and your weapon, and any other hard stuff that might come your way, and then... For Sunday, you're going to just be like, I'm relaxing, I drank the night before, I just want to focus on deals, hang out with friends for a bit, and then go home. I just want a taco and a bottle of water and some naps. That's all I want. That sounds like a great plan to me, I'm not going to lie. You know, those now, are the good days. Yeah, for sure. Now, the last thing of every con is closing ceremonies. There is an open ceremonies, but we didn't really talk about open ceremonies because not everyone can make open ceremonies due to work or school or some other application depending on when the con falls. But closing ceremonies, usually someone can make that because Sunday is the ending day of the con. It's a weekend and people usually have Sunday free if they're at the con anyways. After closing ceremonies, because that's the last event, there's nothing. The con is done. So if you're there, I mean, if you're doing like a random photo shoot because you think like there's less traffic there and that's going to work for you, that's one thing that you can do. But usually after closing ceremonies, everything's done everyone's gone for the most part people now, might be in the restaurants nearby but that's probably about it and for opening ceremonies and closing ceremonies for something i think i should have suggested earlier on i actually for your first time going to a convention go to opening ceremonies if try you can make hardest. it yeah try your hardest to make it to opening ceremonies because it's informative you can actually learn a lot same thing with closing ceremonies because you can figure out about things you miss at the con and then maybe you can try and find them on youtube or find out about them through a different means on like mm -hmm. facebook or something one of the big things is, yeah, cool, you have the face of the person that you've been idolizing their voice for for the last couple of years and your handout books. Guess what? That picture is not always up to date. So, And sometimes it's not even a picture of them at all. Sometimes it's a drawing from the artist himself. Yeah, it could be. So what you want to do is, and this is going to sound weird, go to opening ceremonies watch the announcements make sure you can actually see like who's who and there's always enough space in opening ceremonies or closing ceremonies i've never seen it run out of seating so like if you're worried about space and you're like everyone's gonna be there not everyone's there and if you want to be there there's room for you right and also sometimes there's giveaways yeah you can get free shirts you can get free vouchers for like or like a free badge for next year or like a day off type thing sometimes you get lucky sometimes you don't but the other important thing is Opening ceremonies is always really fun. Closing ceremonies is kind of one of those things. I always used to call it graduation. I could see that, yeah. yeah. It's, kind of, it's kind of along those lines. Really like, we all survived together. We made it another year. Let's do it again next year. And then you get pumped and ready to go. So the last thing to talk about before we start to close this off is con drop or post-con depressions. Now, these are both a very real thing, and it's the same thing, just different terms. Hmm. It's one of those things where it's it's really hard to describe, actually, because it's such a weird feeling of you've been in this essential dreamlike state for days on end, and you've met so many new exciting people, you've 
done so many exciting things. You've done things that in a normal day of life, people would look at you like you've gone insane. Yeah, and you've done some events that you can only experience at the convention. You've met people and seen costumes that you can only see there. And it's a unique experience tailored to you that you can't really experience unless you go to another convention. And that moment after the con, you're like, oh man, I have to go back to real life. That's such a bummer because it's not nearly as enjoyable as what I was doing. And that's when the depression hits in. What can you do to fix that is is the, is the next question, right? Yeah. So there are a couple simple answers. Uh, one thing is we talked about talking and finding out your community on the forums and the Facebook groups. You can go back there and talk to them. And what used to happen was called gatherings. And people would set up a gathering for like a certain show or for a certain cosplay group maybe. And they'd be like, well, if you like this certain topic, we're meeting up here. And if you want to talk it and meet new people in the community, you can go here. And it can even just be for cosplay or prop making. It doesn't have to be related to a show. But you can meet up and be like, we, we'll go to this restaurant and have a meal and talk. Or we'll go to this arcade and play games and talk about the arcade game we like and talk. It can be about a wide variety of topics, not just one thing either. And that's a beautiful part of it. Personally, I think meetups and gatherings need to come back. Yeah, they've kind of died down over the years, unfortunately. Yeah. And other options that you can have. You remember those forums and Facebook groups and everything that we were talking about? Those don't go away just out of nowhere. Yeah, they're, they're year-round. Yeah, you can talk to people, you can hang out with friends that you've made if you can. Sometimes it's not possible, but guess what? We have these things called the internet that you're listening to us through, hopefully. Yeah, and there are how many messaging apps that you can message on one another now. Like it, it, The possibilities are endless, and then like even if they live far away, or even if they come from another country, you can still find a way to contact and message or talk to this person, which is the beautiful thing. Right. Don't assume that the friends that you've made at a convention are gone forever because the con is gone. They're there. You just got to put the effort to make them. Yeah. I must say, if you're willing to work and make the connection work like Jackson and I have, it's not hard at all. And you can keep on making the relationship going and build a better understanding of one another like we have. Right. I'm an angry introvert that sits in his cave and glares at people through the shades. I'm still hanging around with this bastard somehow. Yeah, he is. Mm. Now, the other thing that can happen after your con is an unfortunate side effect known as con plague. And this is basically when the common cold goes around because someone at con got sick and didn't really wash or take care of their hygiene and spreads their disease around and basically causes other people to get it. So then you get like a slight cold or flu after the con. Sometimes it can happen the day after. Sometimes it can take up to a week. Sometimes it, it can happen during a con. Wash your goddamn hands. Yeah, so it can happen, and the time variance is variable, obviously. But just keep up basic hygiene, and you should be fine. And then sometimes you get it, sometimes you don't. But usually time just solves the issue, and it's not usually more than like a day or two. So it's not yeah, terrible. Yeah, it's not like you're going to get swine flu out of nowhere. Yeah. It's literally somebody done decided that they were going to cough on like the buffet table and then act a fool about it and you just so happened to eat that food or and that day by yeah. accident because that was like the best option for you at that time and then oops you also got it unfortunately right. so it's like sometimes you can't control it it just is a side effect and yeah it is what it is it's one of those things where it's preventable it's easily preventable taking um antibiotics saves lives sometimes yeah Getting a lot of extra vitamins in you throughout the con is usually a smart idea, so eat lots of fruit and veggies. It'll save you in the long run. Yes. One of the things that I don't think we really covered well, but I think needs to be spoken, 
don't, and this is not a knock on any city, any state, any country, do not drink the tap water unless you are from that area. Yeah, if you're going to be drinking water, when we say drink water, we we mean bottled water. Yeah, get a case of bottled water, get a purifier, anything that you can, because not all water is created equal. Sometimes um, some areas have a different tolerance for other, like, different bacteria, and that might not agree with your system and yeah. the water that you're used to. The smart thing to do, avoid situation and just drink bottled water throughout the entire con. Yeah, and usually bottled water isn't too expensive. And usually if you do buy it before a con, you can buy a nice bulk for like three or four bucks. And it can definitely carry you for probably at least a couple conventions and not just only one, depending on what you're doing. Or just keep drinking the bottles of water, shoot. Yeah, that works for me too. I mean, seriously, I buy bottled water each time I go to the store. Right. I mean, we've been recording this for I don't even know how long at this point. Are we drinking like almost eight bottles of water, if not ten? Yeah, I keep bottles of water in this house for that exact reason. Those are two things that you really want to keep an eye out for. Know the signs of post-con depression. That is one major thing that I can't stress enough. And what sucks is everybody's different yes so it's not the same for everyone if you get it your first time you're gonna know and and it's natural it's not it's pretty common right it's not like oh well i'm not gonna get it it was a crap con even if it was the crappiest con possible there was still that glimmer of hope and the desert sands that you actually like and you're gonna think about that randomly one day and you're gonna feel sad because it's not happening again exactly uh another thing after con that can happen is if you're a cosplayer and you got stopped for a bunch of hall photos sometimes you won't see all those sometimes you will sometimes you won't it depends on the convention and depends on the photographer or person who took the photo and if they uploaded them uh so it's nice if you get stopped a lot for photos but you might not see them all like for example if you have a camera phone which most people do nowadays if someone asks to take your picture you can have them also take a picture of you you can also use that for posing purposes later on if you're going to cosplay the character again because it's always good to learn new poses and plan new poses and try right. and improve your character. And you bet your ass that we're actually going to be talking about like how to better your cosplay. Oh yeah, for sure. Don't you worry about that. That is an episode in the making. Yeah. So one of the other big things, and this is something I've used over the years because I cosplay a lot of very niche characters, so a lot of people don't know my characters. So when I do go to a convention, I don't get a lot of pictures. What I like to do is when I actually do ask people to take my photo, when they ask me if they can take my photo, I don't look at those pictures until the end of the convention. I don't need to because I'm still living the moment. So at the end of the convention, when I notice that I'm getting post-con depression, I actually pop open my phone and look through all the pictures that I took throughout the entire convention. And hey, I'll pop on to certain pictures, and and it gives me that warm, fuzzy feeling that sees me through. Well, we've talked about a lot today. We started with our weekly slash monthly updates for you. Oh, yeah. And we've given you guys a couple of decent reviews on a couple of things that we personally liked. Some things we may or may not have liked. And then we finally covered how to attend a convention for new attendees in great detail for you. And we're going to be delving into some of these topics further in later episodes because some of these are so big that we only want to cover them briefly here before we really take a huge bite at them. Oh yeah, con safety, con etiquette, um, cosplay, all that stuff. Yeah, that doesn't even get into cross-play and various other topics like the masquerade and raves that were brought up briefly, or dances as they're called now. Yeah, 
there's so much to these topics that we can only scratch the surface in just this episode. And yeah, this is a long one. So thank you, honestly, if you if you followed us up to this point, thank you so much. Yeah, you've been listening for almost two hours. If you listen to this whole thing, we really greatly and generally appreciate the time that you spent to listen to us and get the information from us. Yeah, so if you love what we do and if you like how we're doing it, shoot. I don't even care if you hate what we do. Just email us. Give us a shout-out on Twitter. Give us a call-out in the Discord. Do what you got to do. Just let us know if there's anything that you want to hear next from us. If you have any suggestions, if you have any tips and tricks that you yourself have picked up, let us know. Yeah, let us know what we can improve upon. Let us know what you think we're doing well. Let let us know what you think we're doing poor so we can improve our experience for you, the listener. Mm. Uh, Because we want to provide to you what you want to hear because otherwise why would you listen to us? Right. Just remember, while we are here to teach and we're here to educate, the one thing that our message is at the end of the day is remember to have fun. Yes. You're going to convention to have fun and meet new people, and that's what you should do, but we just want you to be safe and well-informed about it. Right. I hope this podcast was convenient for you and it was informative for you and that you can use it at your next con. We try and make this information as conventional and convenient for you as possible, but it's up to you to actually come out and make it the best con that you can. This is Cloud AC Master. And Jack Sentinel. And we're signing Signing off. off. Have a nice day. day.